You know, one of the overwhelming feelings I think I felt during worship today it was special, it was sweet, and uh, thank you, worship team, for your service and your hearts to lead us in God's presence. But was I just felt like um, God was feeling, I felt like God was saying, like, he's happy that you're here today. Amen. Like, you're here today for a reason. I think that's one of the reasons why we felt his presence so strong and so intense. Like, we easily could have went on easily for another hour, I think. Uh, it was one of those days I think we could have done it. And uh, we will uh, another day. We will need next Sunday night if you come back. We go, we worship for a long time. But I want to go back into what we were talking about last week from Isaiah 61 and Luke 4, what Jesus is anointed to do. Because Jesus is still anointed today to do things in your life. You know, you go to some churches sometimes, they'll give the impression that God's dead. He doesn't do anything. Uh, you, you, you see, you got to live this life, and then you die. And hopefully, if you're good enough, you'll go to heaven. That is not the gospel message. Right. That's not John 3.16. That's not John anything. That's just some man's stuff. But anyway, so last week we looked at the story of Luke 4, where Jesus preached a sermon to his hometown in Nazareth. And prior to this sermon, he, went, he was filled with the Spirit at his baptism. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days. And he was empowered by the Spirit after those 40 days of tempting and, and fasting. Now you would think after those three big events, when he went to his home church to preach, he'd have everything he needed to have just a great homecoming service. Where everyone was nice and high-fiving him and hugging him. And it was a nice service. And Jesus, they say, tore the roof off because it was such a great sermon. And it really wasn't quite the response he had received, was it? Right. You guys here last week? Anybody? Or you read Luke 4, Isaiah 61? So he, when he said, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, they tried to kill him. Yeah. They tried to kill him. So he was basically saying that he is the Messiah. So the term, I want to just explain some of these terms to you. Maybe you know them, maybe you don't. The word Messiah, I have some slides for you guys to put up there for him. The word Messiah is a Hebrew word and it means the anointed one. I got a little bit of a feedback here. I don't know if you hear it out there, but it's feedback here, a little bit ringing. Um, the word Messiah means, a Hebrew word, it means the anointed one. Jesus was special. He was anointed. Uh, uh, while Christ is a Greek word, it also means the anointed one. So the same word, just different languages, but we can see that when we say that Jesus is the Messiah, we are saying Jesus is the anointed one. When we say Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ, we are saying the same thing, Jesus is the anointed one. It's the same thing, just different languages. So we know that Jesus was anointed, not with oil like we do when we pray for people sometimes when they're sick, we anoint them with oil, or when they anointed King David and King Saul and other kings, they'd break open the oil and just pour it all over them. He wasn't anointed with oil like we have been, or maybe you guys have been. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. Yeah. I don't know if you know it or not, but Jesus is special. He's special. He's not normal. He's uh, extra normal. So John, Acts 10.38 says this, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with them. And I want to tell you what, he is still anointed today to heal those that are oppressed from the devil. He's still anointed today, amen? amen? Jesus is the anointed one. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Christ, and it all means the same thing. So when you look up the word Messiah in the dictionary, here's what it says. I have this on the screen for you as well. The promised deliverer of the Jewish nation prophesied in the Hebrew Bible. Okay, this is not my biblical definition. This is just a, a dictionary definition, because he's a lot more than that, amen? Just not the Jewish nation, but the whole world. 
a leader or savior of a particular group or cause, and the liberator of a group or people. So the dictionary defines the anointed one as a deliverer, a leader, a savior, and a liberator. Okay? Do we see that in his life? Do we see that in Luke 4 and Isaiah 61? Yes, we do. We're going to read that again uh, from Luke 4 today. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Man, I feel the anointing right now because we're talking about Jesus. We're talking about the anointed one. I'm telling you, you're here today for a reason. There are things that happen. I just believe it. There's things that happen today in your heart, in your life, where the anointed one's going to break in and show himself powerful on your behalf. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. He has set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, he gave it back to the attendant and sat down, kind of like a mic drop. (laughs) And all the eyes who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today... This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Amen. Amen. In, in this, we see everything the dictionary defined the Messiah or the Christ, the only one to be. We see everything written there in Isaiah 61 and Luke 4. And we see all those things in the life of Jesus. He is the anointed one. He's Messiah. He's the Christ. Amen. And when he said that, they got angry. They've been praying for years for the Messiah to come. Right. Praying probably daily for the Messiah to come. But it couldn't be him because he came because they knew him. Because he came to their hometown. They were offended by that. So Jesus um, is the anointed one. He's the Christ. It was, an, it was uh, I want to share also his first name. It's his first name, his only name, Jesus. <laughs> what his name Jesus actually means too. The name Jesus also has significant meaning. The name Jesus mean, is, uh, was announced by Joseph and Mary through angels in Matthew and Luke. And it means Yahweh saves or Yahweh is salvation. So every time we're singing Jesus, saying about Jesus, we're saying Yahweh, which means God or the Lord, in all capital letters, when you see it in the Bible, in all capitals, that's Yahweh. Yahweh saves, or Yahweh is salvation. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one, it's even in his very first name, and it's also in the name to describe him, the Christ. So transliterated from Hebrew in Amoraic, we see the name Yeshua, which we heard this morning in one of the songs. The word is a a combination of Yah, which is an abbreviation for Yahweh, the name of God, and the verb Yasha, meaning rescue, deliverer, or save. So Jesus Jesus means Yahweh saves, Yahweh is salvation, he means rescuer, deliverer, and savior. Do you know him today? That's what he's anointed to do. We have problems in our families, we have problems in our lives, problems with with our stuff. He's anointed to do something about it. He is the anointed one. Amen. There isn't another anointed one coming like the Muslims are waiting for. There isn't anyone else coming. He is the Messiah, the one, the only, the anointed one, Jesus. Amen. So you put Christ and Jesus together. It says, it means this, the anointed one, Yahweh saves. Or the anointed one, Yahweh is salvation. Or the anointed one, our rescuer, our deliverer, our savior. That's what you're saying. Every time you say Jesus Christ, that's what you are saying. Amen? Because that's who he is. And he's the same God today as he's always been. He'll never change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is anointed to do stuff in your life. But if we believe he doesn't do anything, guess what we'll receive? 
He, he works through the, the avenue of faith. It's like the, call it the currency of heaven. And love is also a part of that as well. But he is honored when we believe that even in your mess, even in your trials, your tribulations, your struggles, your challenges, whatever's going on in family, finances, or whatever, even in that, you, when you honor him with your faith, that you believe that God is still able to do something about it, faith is released, and guess what? He's, he'll pass over, uh, this is offensive to people, he will pass over millions of people to go to the one of faith. He isn't moved by need. I know we think that if we were God, we would do it this way. He isn't moved by need. If he was moved by need, it would be different in Uganda. It would be different in India. It would be different in different places. He is, he is moved by faith. He is moved by faith. And when you honor the name of Jesus Christ, he is anointed to do something special in your family, in your life, in your marriage, in your home, in your, in your body, in your finances. He's anointed to do anything and everything in our lives for us. He's anointed to do it. He is anointed to do it. Amen. So uh, Jesus is still the anointed one. He still does wonderful things today. Amen. And Luke 4 talks about some of these things. He's anointed to preach good news to the poor. He's anointed to heal the brokenhearted. He's anointed to proclaim liberty to the captives. I'm not going to get into that much today, but I'm going to just I'll say this. He's anointed to break addictions. It doesn't matter if it's a pornography addiction. It doesn't matter if it's a drug addiction, a heroin addiction, alcohol addiction. It doesn't matter. He is anointed to destroy that burden and remove that yoke from your life. He's, an, he's special. He's special. He's not like me. He's not like you. He's special. He's anointed to do something about it. Amen? He's anointed to, for recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So today we're going to continue to look through these six. We're not going to go through them all today. Just going to look at one more today. I'm going to highlight some things briefly from last week because I kind of jumped in off the deep end a bit and I couldn't find my notes after I jumped in. I was just, I was just going like, oh, I guess we're done. So it was some things I wanted to say about poor. The word poor, I want to just define that for you because sometimes people in church try to spiritualize everything and make it think that it's just almost spiritual poverty. And it isn't just referring to spiritual poverty, okay? The word poor uh, in the Greek means this, reduced to beggary, begging, asking for alms. So that, that is poverty there financially. Destitute of wealth, influence, position, honor, lowly, afflicted, destitute of the Christian virtues and eternal riches, helpless, powerless to accomplish an end, poor, needy, lacking in anything, as respects to their spirit, destitute of wealth, of learning, and an intellectual culture with the school, uh, with which the school affords. So you can see here, the word poverty has more than just one meaning. It doesn't just mean spiritual poverty, does it? Even though that would be included in that. Absolutely be included in that. So it, uh, poverty in your character, that'd be included in that. Guess what? He's anointed to help you with your character. Come on, somebody. He is. He's anointed to help me with my character. Praise God. I'm thankful for that. So the word poverty here mean, in, in the, poverty is, uh, means any sense of uh, poverty, spiritual poverty, financial poverty, social poverty, educational poverty, relationship poverty, uh, poverty in our character. He is anointed yeah. by God with the Holy Spirit and power to help you in that situation. 
Amen. He is. So let's not over-spiritualize this stuff and just, we, we try to spiritualize our dysfunction and just say, well, it's okay, brother. It's okay. You're, you're stuck in this mess. It's okay. You're stuck in this sin. Jesus would have done something about it if he was here, but because he's in heaven now, you just got to suck it up. And one day when you get to heaven, all, your, all the good stuff is going to happen. But for now, you just got to suffer. You got to suffer. You got to suffer. I'm tired of suffering that, from that message, I'll tell you that, because yeah. Jesus anointed to do something about it. Amen. He said, to today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. It's fulfilled already. It's fulfilled. He is here to do something about our broken lives, amen? And in the, in the church, we need to proclaim it just as it is, just the way he said it. Not because our lives are perfect, not because we've got it all figured out, because he is anointed to do something about it, amen? Amen. amen. So let's not over-spiritualize the Bible and try to limit everything to just spiritual this and spiritual that. He cares about every aspect of your life. He cares about every form of poverty. Yes, yes. The lonely. Is that poverty? It's poverty of friends. If you're lonely, you don't have friends, that's a big deal. That's not a small thing. That's a huge thing. And a day to day, that's affecting your life every day if you're lonely. And guess what? He's anointed to help you. He knows a, there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Amen? Yeah. Jesus cares about every form of lack, which definitely includes money. So when we have more than enough, the Baba calls that what? Blessed. <laughs> Amen. Yes. Amen. It's what he calls it. Amen? Right. Come on, somebody. Is it right? Yeah. All right I'm, I'm tired of not being able to talk about money in church. I'm just saying, because that's where it needs to be talked about, right. because it's real. It affects just, money affects your life. Does it not? We won't need it in heaven. Praise God, we won't. But right now we do. Yep. There's no one here that doesn't need money. All right, so when we don't have enough, when we're lacking, the Bible calls that a what? A curse. Yep. All right, so let's just, we're going to spiritualize it. Let's spiritualize what the terms the Bible actually uses. Amen? And not like, oh, hang in there, brother. You're doing whatever. No, he's anointed to give you good news. Not like the, the poor news, like, oh, guess what? <laughs> well, at least you got more than my granny. At least you got more than this guy. No, no, he's going to tell you good news. Yes. Good news. I, if someone told me that and I was struggling financially, I wouldn't think that was good news. I'd be like, ah, tell that to someone else. But anyway, I talked about money and that, what he's anointed to help us with that last week. So we're going to move on and look at the second thing he talks about he's anointed to do. And it says Jesus is anointed to heal the brokenhearted. Yes. Yeah. He's a special anointing to do it. And every one of us in this room, in some way, some form, somehow, at some time in your life, maybe right now, maybe it's, maybe not, you've had something break in your heart. Not talking about your actual heart, your heart is an organ, not talking about your spirit, your spirit, if you're in Christ, is perfected forever. But in your soul, the soul part of your heart, which is your mind, will, and emotions, something was broken. It was broken when you were born, and spiritually speaking, before you met Christ. But after you came to know Christ, he's anointed to put those pieces back together again better than they were before. There's a breaking happens in the home. When our dads say something too harsh to us, or roll their eyes, or scoffing, or scolding, or the mother does this, or the aunt, uncle, cousin, or teacher says this, or a principal does this, or something happens. There's a breaking that happens in our hearts as children. And the only way those get healed is not through drugs and alcohol, not through prescription medications. It is healed through the anointed one, Jesus. Yes. It's the only way. Now, I'm not against medications. Some medications have been known to help with some things. Other ones, not so much. But either way, it's only a Band-Aid. Right. It can help you function day to day. And if that's what you need, 
Do it. Praise God, do it. But there is anointed one out there who specializes in doing something even deeper than that. Who's not going to try to tell you everything, well, that's just normal. That's just the way you are. That's just human nature. That's case of Rasara. That's just how it is. Just take some drugs. It will all go away. No, that's not, the, that's not the good news of the gospel. He's anointed to heal your broken heart. To heal it. To heal it. Amen? So, <laughs> Jesus is anointed to heal our heart wounds. And we all have them. Unless we've already been healed of them, we all have them. The word heal here in the Greek from Luke 4's version, is Elo Amahi, which you needed to know that, so I told you. So uh, it's a supernatural healing of disease or infirmity, like the story of the 10 lepers in Luke 17. So Ia Omahi. So I'm telling you because there's going to be two different words for healing that's going to come up here. But Luke 4 is a supernatural healing of a disease or infirmity, like we see in Luke, 10, Luke uh, 17 with the 10 lepers. We're going to read this story to you. Luke 17, 11. Now it, came, now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Could you imagine if you were a leper? Imagine. You couldn't touch anybody. Maybe lepers could touch each other. I don't know. If you want to hug each other, they might stick. I don't know. They may be, they may be gross. <laughs> they wouldn't want to do that. But they, you, you can't touch anybody. Nobody can touch you. you. You probably haven't had a hug, a handshake in years. You're living all by yourself. They're living in caves. They're not allowed to come into the city. They're not allowed to be around people. It would be horrific Sometimes your finger falls off, one day your nose falls off, or your ear falls off. I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's disgusting disease. And no one wants to be around because they're afraid they might, uh, it might be contagious, and then they get it, then they get to live like that. This is these, this guy's situation. They cried out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when they saw him, verse 14, he said to them, go show yourself to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Do you see faith here? You'll see faith in every miracle. They weren't healed yet. All right, go show yourself to the priests. Oh, you know what's going to happen to you? Ten lepers walk into, it sounds like a joke, right? Ten lepers walk into a bar, but ten lepers walk into the city. They go see the priests, and they're not healed yet. Oh, there's going to be trouble. There's going to be big trouble. But as they went in faith, all of a sudden, their bodies were supernaturally healed. If parts of their skin was missing, it grew back. If parts were missing from their face or ears or nose, it grew back. They were miraculously healed as they walked and obeyed what God said in faith. That's amazing. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, it's the same word from Luke 4. He's anointed to heal the brokenhearted. It's the same word right here. Returned with a loud voice glorifying God. So it wasn't quite, hey Jesus, thanks. Thanks for healing me. You're cool. What did he do? <laughs> Just that. With a loud voice, he glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. Okay? So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? Don't you love that about Jesus? He's always like, I appreciate your thanks. So where's the other nine? Where'd they go? But, uh, but where are the nine, he says, verse 18. Were there not... 
any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Well, the King James Version says, Thy faith hath made thee whole. Okay? It's a different word for, for well there, a different word for healed there. It's actually the word sozo, which we'll get into in a minute. So all ten of them received physical healing. All ten were cleansed of leprosy. Only one returned to give thanks to God. Only one returned to give thanks to Jesus. At the beginning of the story, they stood afar off. They're yelling to him, hey, have mercy on us. They're walking on their way. Then they, then they realize they're clean. They could have went back and said thank you and then, then went to the priests. But whatever, they were probably excited to go see their family, I'm guessing. So go see the priests so I can go home. Can you imagine? It'd be like they were locked up in a prison for a long time. Couldn't go anywhere. Couldn't see. Oh, my kid's like 10 years old now. I've missed the last four years of his life. I need to get home. I need to go home. So they didn't come back to thank Jesus. Let us not be guilty of doing that. Amen. We need to make sure we give God thanks. But one man did, and he was a Samaritan. And for a Samaritan man to give thanks to a Jewish man was very unusual. They didn't, in natural terms, they didn't like each other. They had friction there. And he likely didn't have a priest to go to. So he went back to Jesus and he said, I'm going to thank the one who healed me. So he does this. So because of his gratitude, this Samaritan man had a second encounter with Jesus that the other nine didn't receive. I just wonder sometimes when we don't come back and give God thanks, that there's a second encounter that we missed out on because we weren't grateful, thankful for what he did the first time. The first time they're far off, remember the far off? off? Next time the one comes back, he's right at Jesus' feet. He he fell at his feet, his his face probably touching his feet. He's probably had tears falling onto his feet. He's touching him. And he says, your faith made you sozo. Your faith made you whole. Now, wait a minute. I thought I already said he was healed as he walked towards the place. He was, but it was a different word for healing. It's a supernatural healing. He was supernaturally healed. He had nothing wrong with his body anymore. But just because something's healed in your body doesn't mean something's healed in your soul. This guy suffered for we don't know how many years. It would, could have been a year or two, could have been a few months, could have been decades. We don't know how long this guy was in this condition. But when he came to Jesus the second time and touched his feet, it says he was made whole. Sozo. So I had to think about this for a minute. Like, why would he say that? Because if you don't look into the original meaning, you look into these words, he said he was healed. He fell at his feet. Now he says you're whole. If he was already healed, then why, what's, what's the difference? The difference is he did something in his soul realm. He healed something in his soul realm. Maybe he got, maybe he got born again then. Maybe he got uh, physically, spiritually saved then. But he definitely did something in his soul realm. Many, uh, this man, again, had been, for, had been home for years. He was in a lot of pain. There was a lot more wrong with him than just leprosy. Right. Wasn't there? If we can get our miracles from God... We can get our healings from God, and, and probably most of you here have been healed of something at some point, big or small, from God, because he's, he's good like that. He's good like that. But I'm telling you, there's another touch of God that comes when we come to him with thanks and praise and adoration. It's the word sozo, and it means to save, heal, deliver, or be made whole. Yeah. And he's anointed to make you whole. Come on. He's anointed to do it. And I'm telling you, um, there's many people uh, in this room. There's many people in our community. There's many people that have been to church their whole life. And they had that first touch of God where they got saved back in whatever year it was for them. And But the this, this second touch of healing their soul and their, the wounds in their heart, that hasn't happened. You know, for me personally, I, I told you this before, and I say it in a funny way, but it's, uh, it's just where I was. 
I used to think inner healing was for sissies. <laughs> ah, that stuff's for sissy. Oh, man, rub some dirt on it. Suck it up, buttercup. Like, what are you so sensitive about? You know, and, but uh, then once I started getting close to the Lord, and he started touching some of these issues that I'd pressed down from this year or that year or this thing and that, like, he'd press it like, oh, hey, let's not go there. That hurts. He goes, but I wanna, I'm anointed to go there. I'm the only one that could do something about that. And we try to, try to hide our, our stuff from each other. You know, we make up and other things, try to hide our imperfections, hide our stuff from people. We have to wear a mask in church to be good enough to, that everyone will like us and stuff like that. And it's all garbage. It's all not real. What's real is Jesus. You'll never be more anointed in your life. My grandfather said this years ago. <laughs> I can't believe I quote my grandfather. Um, you'll never be more anointed in your life uh, than when you're just being yourself. You're not anointed to be somebody else. You're not anointed to pretend to be somebody else. You're not anointed to pretend like everything is perfect when it's not. There's not a special grace to do that. You're anointed to go to Jesus and him to heal those broken pieces and put you back together and make you better than you ever were. Amen. Amen. So to be physically healed is great, but those other nine guys missed out on a special touch from the Lord, and that's a being made whole. Jesus is anointed to to uh, supernaturally heal the brokenhearted. He's anointed to heal the wounds of rejection. He's anointed to heal the wounds of abandonment and shame. He's anointed to make us whole. Amen. Amen. Now the word heal in Isaiah 61, the Hebrew version of this word, means to bind up, to tie together, or to bandage. So kind of an example that would be he saddled his donkey or he strapped a saddle to his donkey. So it's the, the meaning here, he, he, he binds something together so tightly that it can't move or separate. It holds together. Nobody wants to ride a horse or a donkey. That have, you probably don't want to ride a donkey anyway, but <laughs> you probably want to ride a horse for sure unless you have that saddle strapped on there pretty tight because it starts going sideways on you like this and you're, it's, or you can't reach the stirrups and stuff. That's a not a fun ride to do. I, I did that before in, in uh, I don't know what grade it was in, elementary school, middle school. It wasn't a fun ride. I was scared the whole time. We're going through beautiful scenery and I'm afraid of falling off any second. Um, so the word healer is to bind to uh, bind, be, to, uh, be together, tie together, excuse me, or to bandage. So um, we could say that Jesus wants to heal or securely bind together our broken hearts. You know, you didn't have to have a bad childhood with your parents to have a need for healing of your heart wounds. It's going to happen somewhere or another a friend, a family member, school teacher, something. Something's going to happen in your life. I'm not prophesying it. I'm not liking it. It's just a reality. Something's going to happen in your life that was painful. Someone's going to die in your life. It's going to hurt. A family member, a loved one, someone you didn't want to die, and they died, and then you miss them, and it hurts. And guess what? It feels like your world's been rocked and shocked and shattered. Your heart's broken. It's like, oh, my gosh. I don't know if I'll ever recover from this. Someone loses a spouse, loses a child, loses somebody, a grandparent, a mother, father, whoever. They lose somebody. You might have had the perfect little house of prairie family. I guess they didn't have that either, but whatever the perfect Pollyanna story is out there, when someone dies, you're still going to have your heart broken. And he's anointed to heal that. You know, one of the times I felt closest to the Lord in my whole life, of all the encounters I've had with God, I've had quite a few cool things happen. One of the times I felt the closest, and I don't even know what would be second place after that, is after my dad died. 
There was a night I was praying, and it was had only been hours, maybe or a day or so. I'm not sure, maybe hours. And um, I was just laying on the bed, and it was just like he was like he was there. He was there. I mean, he was like I didn't have to pray. Like, is that you? I was like, like he's so close. He's like you feel him almost breathe on you. I got you. I got you. I know this hurts. I got you. I'm telling you, he's anointed to heal our broken hearts. The word brokenhearted literally means to break into pieces like pottery, the fracture of a bone, shattering, crushing of the spirit, crashing, and the breaking of a dream. So you can see that brokenheartedness is likened to the shattering of a bone, which is not good. Breaking a bone is bad enough, but when a bone shatters, that's, that's tough for doctors to help with that. The crushing of our spirit, which usually refers to our will, uh, our, our will to live. When someone has harsh words over someone, they'll say, that person just broke their will or, or just or crushed their spirit. And we can, uh, we can be brokenhearted from the disappointment of a crushed dream that hasn't kind of passed yet. I always thought this was going to happen. It didn't happen. You feel crushed and broken from that way. These emotional heart wounds, um, these emotional heart wounds, wounds that impact our lives, our souls, our mind, will, and emotions, and they can affect us every day of your life. Uh, and he's anointed to heal them. He really is. Whatever caused the brokenness, whatever caused the shattering of your hopes, your dreams, Jesus is anointed to bind up, to bandage, to supernaturally heal our heart wounds from these disappointments. Heart wounds from divorces. Heart wounds from breakups. Heart wounds from people moving away or losing a friend or or someone that just... uh, betrayed you or turned their back on you or act like they didn't know you anymore or whatever the heart wound is, Jesus is anointed to heal it. We can act tough all we want to and, you know, rub some dirt on it and act like it doesn't hurt. If you are human, those things are going to hurt. And I don't think there's any non-humans in here. Thank God the Nephilim have been taken care of. (laughs) Right? It's going to hurt. So um, he's an expert at healing these things. Think about these people in the Bible. God has a proven track record to heal heart wounds, isn't he? Think about Noah. Think they didn't hurt every friend he ever grew up with. Every other relative other than his wife and his kids and their spouses, they all died in that flood. And he got drunk after that. Uh, <laughs> we might have too. I, just, I didn't mean that part to be funny, but I guess <laughs> they did get drunk after that. Um, Job, this, he went bankrupt and lost everything, including his children. I'd say that's heartbroken. Abraham was getting older and still he's very, very wealthy. He still didn't have a natural son he wanted to give his inheritance to. He waited for years and years for this to happen. I'd have to say his heart was hurting, breaking. When am I going to have my own son? Um, Jacob was a cheater. Joseph was abused and mistreated by his brothers and went to prison for something he didn't do. Moses um, was adopted. He had a speech problem and he had an anger problem and killed somebody. Gideon was afraid Felt like he was the least of his tribe. Rahab was a prostitute. Samson was a womanizer. Elijah was suicidal. You remember that story? After the, ta- uh, after he, the prophets of Baal battle, he won. Just take me home, God, I'm done. Uh, they're all, I'm the only one left. Jeremiah was too young. David was a murderer. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Martha worried too much. Zacchaeus was too short and too greedy. The woman at the well was divorced five times and currently living with another man. Matthew was a tax collector. Jesus denied even knowing Christ three times. And Paul persecuted Christians. 
and Jesus is anointed to do something about it. Those people he went to, those people he, he, he lived with, he's anointed, amen? He is the anointed one. You know, God uses broken things. He takes broken soil to produce, to produce a crop. It takes broken clouds to give rain. It takes broken grain to give bread and broken bread to give strength. It was broken, a broken alabaster box that gave forth sweet perfume. It was a broken man who wept bitterly after he denied knowing Jesus three times, who returned in greater power than ever before and preached a sermon where 3,000 were saved. God uses broken things. You know, in our society, we want to take something that breaks and just throw it away because sometimes it's cheaper to go buy another toaster or go buy another microwave or another something or whatever than get someone to fix it for us. But in the Japanese culture, they have another tradition. How many of you guys have heard of the word uh, kintsugi? Kintsugi. Thank you, one person. All right, good. Then you, no one else knows if I'm saying this right or not. So uh, I'm, I'm not Japanese. <laughs> but anyway, but it's a form of Japanese art where they put where they put back together broken artifacts or pottery with gold and glue. They mix this gold and glue together and they put it between the cracks and fill these teapots, uh, uh, teacups, broken plates, things like that back together. Instead of just throwing it away, they make uh, new ones or they make it better. So I have some pictures to show you here. You can just hold on that one for a minute. I'm going to say a couple things first. So they have a special skill that uh, Humpty Dumpty could have used back in the day because all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again, but this Kasigu uh, stuff with the glue and gold, they could have probably helped him back then. But so anyway, um, Kasigu, Kasigu, whatever, roughly translated golden joinery is a Japanese philosophy that the value of an object is not in its beauty, but in its imperfections. And that these imperfections are something to celebrate, not to hide. You know what that's called? That's called grace. It's grace to be you. Grace to be yourself. Instead of just throwing the broken objects away and buying new ones, which is what most people would do, they take gold and glue and mix it together and repair what was broken. Let me show you these pictures. Here's the first one. You see, it's beautiful. Another one. See, instead of trying to hide the cracks, they're highlighting it. Yeah. And there's a broken heart that's been healed with, with this kinsiku. So I think the Japanese learned this from the heart of God. Someone did. But it's just like what God does. And we can get afraid sometimes that God's going to just throw us away like yesterday's newspaper or we're broken. He has no use for us anymore. We're old. We're this. We're that. We're too broken. We're too hurting. We're too, we've made too many mistakes. And he's going to throw us away because he can just make a new person because he's God. He can just make another person, replace us with somebody else. And God would never do that. That's not God. He would never do that. He said, a smoldering wick, I will not snuff out. A bruised reed, I'm not going to break. He's anointed to heal, not break. Amen. He wants to bind those things together. So uh, he's anointed to heal the broken heart. Many of us have gone through some really hard and very painful things. And you've had to work so many hours in the week. You probably haven't had, had much time to process the painful thing you went through. So when it happens, stuff starts to bottle up. 
And you'll start to notice in your own voice and in your own attitude, your patient level is getting a little bit lower. You're a little more sensitive, a little more irritable than you were before. Uh, your kindness gets shorter. Your irritation gets quicker. These are all signals. There's something going on in your heart that, uh, that God wants to do something to help you with. But you're like, well, I'm strong enough. I can do it myself. I can fix it. I can, I can do this. I can do that. No, you can't. You can't. Okay? You might have a good strong will. You might have a good uh, work ethic. You might have all these ducks in a row in your life and whatever. But well, there's a day coming. And if you don't do it willingly, the God will push you to the end of your rope until you come back like that Samaritan man and fall at his feet and say, Jesus, I need help. Because we all need it. And it's actually quite prideful to think that we don't. We're all broken pottery. That He wants to take the gold of his glory and put back together again. And our finished product is going to be so much more beautiful than we ever could have been on our own. You can function through life. You can get by. You'll do okay. And you'll be like the neighbor down the street or this guy or that guy. But if you want to be uh, like God's anointed, you're going to have to come back like the Samaritan for a second touch from the Lord to heal those broken wounds. You don't have to stay like that your whole life. Amen? Amen. Time doesn't heal all wounds. Jesus does. He's anointed to heal the brokenhearted. So starting November 30th at 7 p.m., we are going to start another Sozo training class in our church. This is on the same night we meet in our life group meeting. Uh, but it's not just for our life group people that have been coming. It's open to anybody. Whether you want to come, just check it out, see what it is, because you've heard about it. Like, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I want uh, I'm not sure. You know, most, I would say every person who's ever came for a meeting, we've done probably more than 100, I would guess now, probably easily. Um, everyone has said, I was so nervous to come because they thought that it was about exposing their sin or exposing their stuff. And it's so totally not like that. It's, it's looking at heart wounds, it's looking at believe lies, and asking the anointed one, Jesus, what's the truth? The father of lies is out there trying to write your identity, trying to make you believe you're somebody that you're not, that you're this, you're that, whatever. And these things get reinforced through our parents, through people around us, through jobs, employers, people we hang around with. These negative things get reinforced by people, but God wants to speak a word of truth over your life that sets captives free. He's anointed to do it. But if you don't come, if you don't come for help, if you don't come to him and let him touch you in these areas, you're going to just stay where you're at. And you can do that. And guess what? You'll get to go to heaven. You'll, you'll get that. But God wants to put heaven in you. Come on. Amen. And not only does he put heaven in you, he wants to help you help other people that are out there all around us that are hurting, wounded, scared, broken, fractured, shattered to pieces. They had somebody die or someone this or something tragic happened in their life. They need someone who has a little bit of skill, a little bit of tools to teach you, to know how to help people like that. They can help put those pieces with the Holy Spirit to help back together again and better than before. And guess what? You don't have to hide your broken past. The gold of God's glory, he can even use it. He can even use it, amen? Amen. So many of you may think, my heart's good, I had good parents, uh, nothing really bad happened in my life, and I'm good, praise God, I'm good. And you know what? I honestly hope that's true in your life, but I highly doubt it. I highly doubt it. I would believe, I would guess um, that everybody in this room, even if you've had Sozo or not, because I've had multiples, if you don't know, Sozo is an inner healing ministry that we do here at church, so I didn't, if I didn't say that before, um, if, you, if you, you, there's some wound in there that Jesus still wants to heal. Yeah. 
And if there isn't a wound still to heal, there's a lie that you believe that he wants you to renounce. Um, it's not a theological thing. It's not a, it's a Presbyterian thing or a Methodist thing or a Baptist thing. It's a Jesus, do you love me thing? Do you care about me? The leper had to feel that way. Did you care about me, Jesus? Why am I living like this? What did I do to deserve leprosy? Why well, I haven't had my family in my life, having this and that going on. I'm broken. Don't you care? And they yell, Jesus, have master, have mercy on me. And guess what he did? He wants to have mercy on us too. Other parables teach us that we are to tend to the, gr- the gardens of our heart by removing thorns, rocks, and weeds so the seed of God's word can produce a harvest. Amen? Yeah. Guess what? That's going to take some participation on our part to pull those things out. You know what those rocks, thorns, and weeds are? Excuse me? Lies are? They're believed, excuse me, they're believed lies. Yeah. Yeah. Lies you believe. And guess what? You're like, I don't believe any lies. Well, guess what? Of course you're going to think that because you believe the lie. All right, logically, I was doing this with my dad years ago. It was really, really good. But first, he was all offended, kind of like, I don't believe any lies. My theology is good. Like, Dad, just listen to God. Just listen. So he, I asked him, Holy Spirit, is there a lie I'm believing about you? Or Jesus, there's a lie I'm believing about you? Something like that. And he hears, you don't believe that you're really forgiven. Now let's put theology around that one, okay? That's where the rubber meets the road. So uh, he renounced the lot he's not forgiven. Then he asked, all right, Father God, what is the truth you want me to know? And he heard this. I know it was God because my dad would never say this. He said, he heard before you were even born. That's in the Bible. Amen. But then he's getting us. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So I want to encourage you guys um, that Jesus is anointed to heal your heart wounds. He's anointed to expose believe lies. He's anointed to bring the truth because you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. I'm going to close with this. I'm going to do an exercise with all you guys real quick. I know there's food here and I know uh, you guys have stuff to do, but um, some of you might not come for a second touch. So it might need to be right now. Right now. So I'm going to ask you guys, close your eyes. I'm not going to ask anyone to say anything out loud. You won't, I won't do anything to embarrass you. You're just going to be asking God a question. I'm going to lead you in this question, and you listen to what you hear. That's all you have to do, okay? Just ask this in your heart. Say, Father God, is there a lie that I'm believing about you? You might hear, instantly hear a yes, or you might hear uh, actually what that lie is, okay? If you heard a yes, ask him, what is the lie that you believe? And if you didn't hear a yes, you can ask him that too. What is the lie that I believe? All right, let's stop there just for a second. Who, I'm going to ask for a volunteer. Only do this if you want to. You don't have to come up. Who here would say they heard a lie and they don't mind telling everybody what it was? If it's too personal, just keep it yourself, but just one or two people. You felt like you heard a lie, that God told you a lie you believed, and you're willing to share it. Anybody? Yeah, Jamie? Amen. 
that she can't make a difference if you didn't hear that. Good, thank you. Anybody else? You've all heard the voice of the liar. That's where the lies come from. He's the father of lies. You've all heard the voice of the liar. He said, the voice of the stranger you're not going to listen to, but you do hear him. Okay? Anybody else? A lie that you heard. I know more than two you heard. I'm just saying. Maybe it's too personal. Aaron? Yeah, go ahead. There you go. Good. Good. That's two is enough for now unless someone wants to really share. Good. Okay. Another example might be I'm not good enough. No one cares about me. Things like that. These are all very common lies the devil speaks over you from the moment you're born all the way through your life till you get to heaven. He's going to speak stuff like that over your life to make you, his job is to what? He tries to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your joy, your peace, uh, your families. Your, uh, he wants to put you in turmoil. Just all those things is what he wants to do. So what we're going to do now is just close your eyes for a second again. And I'll close this. I'm closing it down here. Um, if you heard a lie, again, you don't have to tell me what it was. Just say this. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I renounce the lie of whatever that lie was for you. Renounce that lie. Then say, what is the truth that you want me to know? And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Amen. He's anointed to tell you the truth. He's anointed to make you free, to make you whole. Amen. Amen. So I want to encourage you guys um, to come to our, we're starting on the 30th of November, if you want to come out to that meeting. I don't, if we, if every one of you came, that's great. The more people we have trained, the more people we have doing things like this in your own family, with each other, learning some of these sozo tools, the more healthy people can be around you. That's a good thing. Amen? Amen. All right, I'm going to pray, dismiss us, and pray for the food too. Uh, I need a couple guys to set up some tables over here also. I think we have four tables we'll put over there because we're going to have a full house. If you didn't bring food, that's okay. There's plenty back there. I want to invite you guys to stay. But uh, let's pray. God, I thank you. You are anointed to heal me. You are anointed to heal us. You are the anointed one. And I thank you uh, for the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God that is just as effective today as it ever was. Thank you. You are anointed to bind up the brokenhearted to tie it back together, to hold it together. Hmm. Yeah, I feel some of you feel like you're just trying to hold everything together. Well, guess what? You're not anointed to do that. But Jesus is anointed to do that, to hold your life together, right in the palm of his hand. Not just your heart, but your whole life and this whole world. God, I just pray for uh, hearts to be healed, addictions to be broken, your name to be glorified in our homes, in our lives, in our children's lives. Let your name be lifted up in this place. Let testimonies flow from these mountains of your saving, healing, delivering power, just like your name says, the one who makes us whole. You are the lover of our souls. 
the fairest of 10,000, Lord. And I just declare your peace, your mercy, your shalom, your deliverance over your children today, over our hearts. You're anointed to heal. In Jesus' name, I thank you for today, this special day of pastor appreciation. I thank you, God, that you are, you are the pastor, the great shepherd. And we just honor you today above everyone else. Thank you, Lord, for shepherding our lives. We thank you for the food, thank you for friends, and thank you for Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I want you to remember if God spoke something to you today, if you heard his voice, don't harden your heart like they did in the wilderness. Do something about it, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. You are dismissed. Hopefully you can stay for the food. It's, it's in the back. <laughs>